All right, guys. If you need Bibles, you can raise your hand. Uh, Carrie has Bibles. Uh, If you want to write notes down, you can turn to the back of your program and you'll see uh, the lines where you can write notes down. Uh, if you're new, what we're doing right now is we're going through the book of Genesis. What we do at MacAv is we go through books of the Bible. Um, we started in, started doing this whole deal. I think we started in John, then we did Galatians, now we're in Genesis, and we're just trucking through. We're actually in Genesis chapter 30, actually at the end of 29 is where I'm going to actually begin today. Uh, hopefully you're, you're being encouraged in your faith. Hopefully we're learning more about the, uh, the narrative of Christ, of our Lord. Um, again, if you are new, we ask that you would just feel free. We ask questions here, so don't be alarmed by that. Our heart is that people would really not just, um, just learn more, but that what they learn would lead toward worship, and that's why we want to have clarity um, on what we're discussing. So feel free uh, to do that as well. We just ask that you would, you would ask the Lord does it edify the body, um, or is it something that we can talk about uh, later? All right, guys. Um, now, you know, last week was a, crazy, was a crazy passage. This week is even crazier. Now, usually what, we, what I'm trying to start, what I'm starting to do is I want people uh, to come up, and we're going to read the passage, and then we, we, we exposit the passage, right? We, we, get the, we gain the meaning uh, from what the original, or our heart is to gain the original, uh, the author's intent, Author's original intent. This one here, because one of, one of these passages is, is for me is, is so funny that I'm going to just have us walk through the narrative and hopefully have the narrative just unfold as we read the scriptures. Okay, um, so so yeah, just I just think this. I'm smiling. I just think this is this is you talk about uh, us. If you if you don't leave here and get God's grace um, at this moment, I just don't know what else we can do. Um, especially every week, what we're seeing. I hope you're seeing kind of the theme. Is that is that God is good and everybody else is bad? Um, that's basically that's basically what we learn in the scripture, and that's very hard for people, for sinners like us, who we want to be kind of good. But God is making it very. He, the, the Bible is brutally honest, and that's why we we don't we, we get kind of nervous with the Bible because the things that we would censor, if we were to write a story, the Bible doesn't. And it shows you the very the intensity of our sin and the very things that we think about maybe doing in the quietness of our own minds. We see people actually doing in Scripture, and we know that people are actually doing them today, and we know that some of us are even doing them in the quietness of our own homes, but we censor it. And the Lord is saying, and let's be clear, you're evil, I'm good, I'm gracious, and I made you good. So that's the narrative that God is trying to emplace in us. That's a beautiful narrative. That should make you smile. Because, yeah, the story will be sad if you're evil and you're evil. Good night. That'd be sad. But it's not like that. God makes you good. Okay, so, right? We smile with J-Mac, right, baby? That's what's up. All right, so here we go. We're going to jump right in it. Um, let me just, uh, real quick, just to give us a brief overview. Um, it gets harder um, as, we get, as we go through the text. Uh, this is just a general deal. What you have when you're reading Genesis um, in your own time, and I want to encourage you to go uh, back to our website if you want to download uh, the notes and also re, uh, listen to the sermons. Hopefully that will be a blessing to you. Uh, we have primitive history, um, or some people call it like the creation history. You have chapters 1 through 11 where you have the discussion of creation, of God creating not just man, but creating all things. And then he makes us he, like sort of the apex, sort of uh, the jewel of his creation, right? And he gives us a mandate uh, to take care of all of his creation because he loves it all. Um, 
And so in creation, so we see a good God. We have God being supreme. Uh, what he does is he created not out of outage, but out of abundance because he did not need to create us because he was bored. But because he is so filled with love, so filled with goodness, he's so awesome. He's like, man, I, other people should experience this. And so he creates out of abundance just to bless other people. Then you have uh, the fall of man. Uh, then you go into the flood, God, because of the fall of man, because man have an audacity uh, to believe that we are our own gods, uh, sinning against God. Uh, since creation to a downward spiral of decreation, where now we begin to destroy ourselves and creation in itself begins to implode. Um, God gets frustrated uh, because the sin of man really exacerbates this. It shows this clearly. So it can simply be in theory, but then you see it clearly when you see men doing evil all the time. The scriptures say, God says, I'm going to kill everybody. And then you get the, um, <clears throat> the graphic picture of the flood. Uh, you go on down, you have the dispersion uh, where man, again, God gives, uh, he, he saves a remnant. He says we're going to have, uh, he doesn't kill everybody, he saves a remnant. Those guys begin to have more kids. What is, the, what is the Bible trying to show us there? That although he destroyed and repurified, as you will say, all of humanity, you still had a man, and that man is sinful, so humanity was still in the same place that's in a decreative mode, eventually imploding, destroying ourselves. Okay? God, one way of that was you're going to make our own God. You know, you, so what he does uh, through the Tower of Babel, they're going to make their own creation. Look how cool we are. He disperses man. Then we enter. Uh, we have so that's sort of like 30,000 feet. Right. Here's what's going on with humans. Here's what's going on in history. And then what God says now, what I want to do, I want to sort of zoom in, zoom in here to uh, what, what's going to happen in redemptive history. How are we going to redeem this thing? How are we going to fix this thing? How's God going to be able to say, I am indeed faithful and I completed my plan? Uh, we have patriarchal history. And so now uh, all of history begins to be like, although there's so many things happening all around. God is so gracious, he begins to beeline to a particular group of people. And we see first starting with Abraham and Lot. And I put these guys in like couple order. I just thought it would be cool like that. Uh, Genesis 12 through 50, 50, you have this huge narrative of all these different families. Starting with Abraham and Lot, going down from Isaac and Ishmael, from Jacob to Esau, Joseph and his brethren. And right now we're in the stage of Jacob and Esau and there's obviously other stories that are going to be happening in here, but these are the major components. So that's where we are. Um, so in a nutshell, Genesis, um, the, reason I, the reason I'm starting back with this, because Genesis in a nutshell is about God, first and foremost, God being all in all, being everything. And then what you have is he begins to show us something. And I want us to get this as we do life, especially in evangelical America, when the focus can be about just personal piety, just you and Jesus. Don't worry. Don't tell me about what I need to do. I can worship God all by myself in my room. I don't need anybody. Like, that's weird. Okay? Um, God created us with community in mind. And I'm proposing to you, even Genesis is modeling that. What he does, he creates us, and he creates people to be around us because we're crazy, all right? So, so Genesis is about God, and then he begins to show generations being birthed and born um, for a per- specific purpose, and then you see what happens is a community of faith is being ushered in and carried on all the way I propose to the day of final redemption when Jesus comes to fully bring recreation, the new heavens and the new earth. So we are indeed, and a first century Jew would say this for sure, 
You are saved in a community. When you become saved in Christ, you say, I give my life to Jesus. It's not simply, Jesus, you're my savior. Um, you atone for my sin. You know, I, I, I received your righteousness. You took my sin. All those things are true. He is our savior. He's our Lord. You're the king. I'm a co-heir with you. That's true. But what Jesus does is he saves you. And in Romans, it talks about him grafting you into a history. You are now part of a history. You're a part of a community. We are saved in community. Community is extremely important for Jesus. Covenant community is huge. I bring it up because we're going to be talking a lot about community in the next couple of weeks, so I just want to make us understand how important it is for the people of God to understand is that we all we got. And God wants us to see that truly spiritual, that, that the spiritual community God has given you is more important, I dare say, than your blood relative who does not know Christ. So with that said, we're going to look at what's going on in community. This is how cool community is. This is going to get crazy. Are y'all ready? All right. So we're going to start at the, um, at the end of Genesis 29. Uh, I don't think Kristen's here. Kristen Sully, she made a good word last week. She said, um, and I agree with her as I was looking at the end here, um, there were some good discussion questions, good questions you guys had. And one in particular, I believe, was, um, well, why, you know, because we were like, well, why is everybody sad about Leah? And she was saying, well, maybe he was already married to him. I, I believe she was actually right, that, 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 uh, that Leah was married uh, to Jacob, and that's probably one of the reasons why she did not leave. Um, what's interesting, though, is Jacob never divorced her, and he could have, um, which is very interesting. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. So I just want to, for the sake of where we're going, I want to just put that out there, that they are married. I'm proposing a reason why she didn't say, oh, man, well, I tricked you my fault and, and leave because the knot was tied and so they're in a relationship, and she couldn't just say, okay, I'm out of it. Uh, but what I want to start, we're going to start in verse, uh, tw- verse 31 of chapter 29. It says, when the Lord saw Leah was not loved, he opened her room, but Rachel was barren. Now, this word not loved, translated literally, is uh, saw, saw she was hated. Okay? Uh, now, my whole point of last week, if you remember, I was trying, I was giving Leah kind of a bad rap. I was saying, look. Don't be all, ooh, I'm so sad for Leah, because she sinned too. Uh, the point there was not for you not to have any compassion for Leah. But what happens, if you notice, a lot of times when we just read through passages like this, actually there's no credence mentioned about her sin. And the whole focus is, look how crazy, I can't believe Jacob did that, and, and Rachel kind of crazy, but oh, poor Leah, she's just out there and didn't do anything. My point is that God is compassionate and kind. He's gracious. But he does not overlook sin. He's not advocating her behavior. He's just sad because he's compassionate and gracious. And I just want to make sure we don't, we don't, we don't mess, mix, mix the two. Okay, guys? So, so God cares. And it's very interesting here because at, at this stage what you have is Leah being hated by a man uh, that she's married to. And you have Rachel here being barren, um, which is interesting because I'm proposing that there's so you have three generations of fertility at this point. Right. And you have this continued theme and you would think they, they would learn from one another um, because in the past uh, records, uh, you know, with Rebecca and even Sarah, uh, these individuals actually were trusting God and saying, Lord, would you open up my womb? Well, we're going to see what happens to these guys, see who they trust in a moment. Uh, but, but, you know, here's another thing that's interesting. Uh, as we go on, it says Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. I love the fact uh, that uh, here, which we'll see unlike in a moment, Rachel, uh, she doesn't advocate her sin. She, she doesn't say, 
I'm vindicated or, you know, God, you know, I'm, I'm right or something. She was like, man, I'm with a man that hates me. And God sees that <laughs> he's been really gracious to me. Um, and he says, it's because the Lord has, has seen my misery. Surely my husband would love me now. But ah, there's that's, that's what's interesting here. Surely my husband would love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. She desires to use God's grace as a means to manipulate Jacob. You see that? So God is gracious to her, and there's not a praise fest. She's like, sweet, God is gracious. Hopefully now he will love me. You see that? Now, this is just, I just want to throw this out here again, because I see this so much in our community I just think it's unbelievable here, because I, I don't know if ladies get this much. So a guy here having sex with the woman and hates her. See, women, you might think, well, I don't have sex. I don't, you know, he must love me because we're having sex. I'm showing you here, just historically, that men, okay, and the fellas, we're going to be honest, we can have sex with a woman and totally hate her. Why am I saying that? Because just because the guy will sleep with you, ladies, does not mean he likes you. So I'm just proposing that, please, as you're serving other people and in your own life, don't think that your sexual favors depict that they love you or like you. Don't give yourself that easily to a guy. Here you have clear evidence of a guy saying, I hate this woman. Let's go to bed. I just wanted to throw it out there real quick because I, I, we see this all the time. Women thinking, well, maybe if I have them sex, maybe if I give them a child. And in your mind, you want to keep trying to, to win the favor of this guy through worldly means. And I'm proposing that the scriptures are clear as day. You can do all that stuff. And you know what? It probably will make the guy despise you even more. You want a guy who will fight for you. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. She moves from love to the sense of, like, maybe he'll just recognize me. Maybe he'll, you know, say hi. Because I have borne him three sons, so he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. So here's what's interesting. A couple things. First, I love God's grace here. We're going to look at this in a moment. Levi. Okay, so through a broken relationship of a guy hating his wife, right, she got the dude drunk, her and her father, and they have sex with this man. She has sex with this man, gets married. This is a crazy marriage bed. We, we have all this drama, and what comes out of it? The Levitical priesthood. Levi. Guess what else comes out of it? You get Jesus. First you get Judah. You get, you get, the, you get the line of the monarchy. You get the kings. So, so wait a minute. Are you telling me out of this crazy relationship? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have written it differently if you were God? Wouldn't you have made it a little more pure? When you say, you know, I'm God and stuff, I want people to get that, so I need to make this real nice and pure, you know, somebody got to be holy in it. Just jacked up. Crazy. How you, so, so you live in, you from the Levitical line, how did that happen? 
well, you know, my mama got my daddy drunk, you know, and didn't even like her at all. Can you imagine? Store it in your heart for a minute. Don't miss that, guys. What's the point? Why is the author telling us this? Why is the author wanting to show us this, this brutality? What, you would think, well, this must be true. How does this make God look? This is how you're going to bring redemptive history, Lord? He's brutally honest. Brutally. This is where it comes from. Born out of this relationship. And look at what she says. I love this. I love how her reality of the situation, it seems, gets a little better. She goes from, man, I want to have these kids. Hope she'll, he'll love me. You know, hi, honey, I made dinner. You love me? Right? I did all the stuff. You love me? Right? Come on, don't act like, don't act like y'all don't know anybody like this. Don't act like you ain't like this. All right? You're trying to win a guy over. And then all of a sudden she, she realized, oh, maybe, maybe they just say hi to me. And then she says at the end here, man, I just pray the Lord. I had a baby, praise him. No mention of him. She's going to fall off the wagon soon, but at least she gives a little praise to God, right? Now, here's the funny thing. It says, then she stopped having children. So you got to ask yourself, so did she stop having children in the sense of saying, hey, no, I'm, I, I get the kind of woman that God has made me now. I'm not sleeping with you anymore. You just don't, you know, was that the case? I propose not. I propose it seems that, uh, that actually Jacob probably started sleeping with her. I'll show you in a moment. So, so we have uh, when Rachel, so now we're in chapter 30, in verses 1 and 2, okay? All right, so she, so, so, so Leah's over here. You got you to go there with me. Picture this. All right, you these sisters now. Leah is just like, woohoo, you know, they're at the dinner table, and there's Leah and all her kids. And you got Rachel and Rachel, right? When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister, so now, so she's frustrated. Now, this is amazing. Uh, before you go there, think about this. I love how brutally honest, again, the text is. So she's beautiful. Her name means pure and lamb. You remember that? Right? She got it all. She has it all. The very thing she doesn't have, Leah has. And she wants it. Isn't that hilarious? And, and look, check this out now. I mean, obviously, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Leah wanted what Rachel wanted, what Rachel had. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I proposed to you it wasn't looks, though. She wanted a man to love her. You don't see her going, man, my name's Kyle, man. can't believe this. You, know, you don't see that in the text. Her name, origi- her name means cow, Leah. She, but, but her whole focus in the journey is, man, how do I get this guy to love me? To look at me in the eyes and say, I love you. See, See, Jacob loves Rachel, and Leah wants that. But Leah can have kids, and Rachel wants that. Check this out. Now, it's going to get crazy, y'all. And my funny part is, look at this. So she became Joseph and says, so she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. So she, all right, and this is what, right, this is what happens, right, homies? The wife started blaming you. I'm just kidding. That was baggage. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. That was a joke. Everybody's like, ooh, you don't get in trouble when you get home. I was joking, baby. You don't blame me. All right. So y'all, come on. So give me children or I'll die, right? And then Jacob gets mad at her. He becomes angry at her and says, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Notice this. A couple things. Notice this. Go back and look at the history as we've been reading Genesis. And notice what her matriarchs did before. They sought the Lord. You had, there was some God discussion. Some guy discussion, 
She, the first time that God is discussing this passage is actually Jacob saying, cuss God out. First time he's mentioned. Why are you mad at me? My plumbing work, obviously, I got all these kids from Leah. You the problem. That's what he's saying, right? What's your, why are you mad at me? And he, and he doesn't say, hey, sweetheart. See, Jacob, I just think he is, I mean, this is, you talk about the grace of God. He is such a punk throughout the scriptures. He doesn't lead his girl. He doesn't say, hey, sweetie, that's messed up. Let's pray and seek the Lord together. Let's pray. Wow, like, man, I know, I'm, I'm hurt too. Go and seek the Lord. You know what? You don't have to be jealous of Leah. God, God is sovereign. God is in control. You don't see any of that discussion. He says, cuss God. I can't believe. Why are you mad at me? I can't keep you from having children. God's the one doing this. Almost like, almost like what you see at the fall, like blaming the Lord. God's doing this to you. Not only is he neutral, he's almost an offense to the Lord. That's his leadership. Then she said, okay, here is Bilhah, my maidservant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and that through her I can too build a family. Right? So, okay. So it's getting weirder, okay? So, you, so he, he already has two wives, all right? And then what she does, it says, so she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. So she's like, hey, okay, well, I still want to have kids, why don't you, okay, marry her so we can make this a legal gig, and then you can have sex with her, and you can give us some kids. And the funny thing about it, you know, so, so you say, hey, um, Jacob, this is not working out. Will you have sex with my maidservant? And he's like, okay, uh, just to serve you, all right, I guess I'll have sex with her, you know. This is bizarre, right? So, so the funny thing, first of all, what's happening here is not, it's not in the sense of, um, I, I, when you think of the maidservant piece, it's almost in a sense of adoption, um, that she was almost like a surrogate mom. Uh, we, we notice for a couple reasons. First, uh, he sleeps with her, and then we even see, practically, uh, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and gave and given me a son. Because of this, she, Rachel, named him Dan. So she's naming the son, obviously seeing herself as a mom, pretty sure this was a surrogate action. And, and basically it was like, these are my kids. You just had them for me. But I, again, I marvel at the lack of leadership of Jacob. Here it is again, being passive. He could have said, you know what? No, I'm not going to marry your maidservant. I love you. But he simply goes on with the plan and he sleeps and marries. Now he has three wives, a bunch of kids. And look, then check out, check out Rachel's response. She, so she gives the maidservant uh, to Jacob. Jacob has the kid, right? And look what she does. She justifies it. Wow, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea. Can you imagine? Do you see what she's doing? So she's totally sinning. And she's saying, but look at the ends. So that me, it must justify the means. I got a child. So what I'm doing must be right. See, that, that I, and I tell you, this is one of the biggies right here. When I, as we walk with the Lord and as I lead and watch people, I'm amazed at how many times we think the means have nothing to do with the ends. That basically, as long as I get what I need to get, God's in it. 
And I'm proposing that Christianity, hear this, for Jesus, it matters how you got it, not that just you got it. It totally matters as a believer how something happens, not just the conclusion. And she's going, hey, man, I know I gave my husband to some other girl. But look, hey, God didn't didn't have to have a child, so God must be in it because there's a child. You see how sick that is? But guys, I'm telling you, as a body, we got to repent. we got to make sure in our journeys we aren't validating sinful actions because we get some kind of result that can be neutral. She's totally justifying this. Name's a man, Dan. Rachel's servant, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Uh, and Rachel said, then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. Isn't this amazing? So check it out. All right, so she, I mean, can you imagine as you're reading the text and you're watching this, pregnant again, she got a child at the dinner table now, she's having another one, she's like, I did it, I won! Hands up in the air. Won what? When did you win? It became a competition for her. It's now a competition. Look at this. I have struggled with my sister. Now I've won. So she named him Nephtali. Unbelievable. A great study in itself when you, when, you, when you look at some of the names, what the names mean. And she's naming these, char- these individuals, and they're, and they're telling you little aspects of what the names mean. It says, now check this out. So she is in competition, going crazy, and then when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her maid servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Okay, so wait a minute. Okay, so <laughs> this is crazy. All right, so Jacob is married uh, to three women. And Leah now is saying, man, I got all these kids, but I'm mad because she's winning. And Rachel's saying, look, I won because I'm having kids now. You're on the bench. She says, okay, well, I got to put somebody else in the game. And she goes and says, well, I'll get my maidservant to marry him, and you'll have more kids, and then I'll be winning. So all of a sudden, you have this huge competition of childbearing. Now, here's the sad reality, and I want us to miss, don't miss the, so what's going on here? Look at how crazy we get when we try to fill our outages in a worldly manner. Look at this. Look to the extent that we will go. Do you think you would do this? And check this out. Now, now remember, she was, she was at least, at least in the beginning of the stage, she was talking about God. You know, she was, God has, you know, God has been gracious, saw my misery. Look at her now, though. So, gives, gives Zilpah uh, as a wife. And verse 10 says, Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, what good fortune. She named him dad. Good fortune. Basically, I have good luck. So she gets, so now she left. God, no, this is good luck. Guys, I'm lucky. Right? By the way, Christians, we don't believe in luck because we believe in a sovereign God who does absolutely everything. So we don't go. If you're a Christian, if you that's if that's like a normal. Why well, that's just how I talk. You need to quit talking like that. Because we we don't believe that things just happen, or that if it scratch up, if I scratch a dead rabbit's foot or something, or you know rub my arm up against a I don't know like that that things are going to occur. 
We believe that a sovereign king is intimately involved in our lives and he does everything. Guess what? God and God alone opens and closes the womb. And she has audacity to go to luck now. So she's like, yeah, man, I'm lucky, boy, because I'm back in the game. I'm winning. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, how happy I am. The woman will call me happy. So she named him Asher, which means happy. And check this out. All right. Now, this is, this is the passage. I, did. I think this is hilarious. So, all right. So now they're winning. She's doing her thing. Uh, I, you, you have a couple passages in the Bible where you just, whenever you read them, just die laughing. Well, this is one's mine, okay? Uh, so check this out. So he says, During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, okay? Um, mandrake plants were these, like, yellow. They were, like, this, it was a fruit plant, okay? And, and they were seen, uh, and they were called, like, uh, like, love apples because they were seen to be, uh, to make a man uh, more fertile. To, uh, it, was, it was to help with fertility. Uh, that's what they thought. As we know, again, witchcraft, right? They're thinking, oh, if I eat this fruit, I'm, I'm probably going to have some kids. And so, you know, mandrake plants, this was important to individuals during that day. Um, it says, uh, they found some mandrake plants, uh, which he brought to his mother Leah. Okay, so the son brings the mandrake plants to Leah. Rachel said to Leah, uh, and remember now, they've just been competing, so you know they don't like each other. You know, there's mad drama, there's crazy drama in the house, all right? And she says, uh, wasn't, she says, please give me some of your mandrakes. And look at so she says, but she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? What happened? And like, <laughs> I think that's the craziest comment. I mean, really? Like, okay, you took my man, now you want my mandrakes? <laughs> I'm just imagining, I, mean, I know they're both crazy, but imagine Rachel, like, really? Mandrakes is some fruit. But wait, it gets even crazier. So then she says, very well, Rachel. Uh, Rachel said, he can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So Rachel, this gets, this gets even crazier. Okay, so she says, wait a minute. You already, you already got my man. Now you want my fruit? And she's like, all right, well, if you want the man so bad, hey, I really want some fruit. So you can have a man. Give me your fruit. It gets even crazier. Check this out. So then she says, you can sleep with him, you know, and she then pimps out Jacob. Look at the text. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. And she says, you must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So she hired. (laughs) All right. So he comes in and she got like five lemons. Talking about, hey, we need to do this, because look, I got these lemons, all right? I already, already purchased you for the night. Wait, and, and, and here's, the, here's the funny part. And then he sleeps with her. Then he says, wow, five lemons. Okay, well, let's just go over here, right here. We can just. Really? This is bizarre. So, so she hires him out. Um, he sleeps with her that night because, obviously, you know, she paid a good price, you know, some fruit. And um, unbelievable. I mean, this is the thing that's amazing to me. This is history. This this really happened. Somebody gave somebody some mandrakes and they had to go go to bed. That's crazy. All right. Mm-hmm.
And you see it a lot where you work. You work. She works at pregnancy aid, and you, and every time you. That's a good word. That's that's a good word. That, Selling others. Selling her mandrakes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's hilarious, but I, I'm feeling you. I saw another, yeah, Nate. His p- what Nate is saying, because everybody can hear, is that, that, that the reality, though, is her love, is a lot, a lot of times we can think, man, I wish Jacob would love her. But that in itself shows us that we're, we're looking at the wrong goal, is that Jacob's love for her should not be the goal, because then that's the idol. That's an idol. And, that's, and so the focus should not, like, that's not a noteworthy goal. Uh, it's although we should we should be sad for her depravity and how our sinful nature leads us to find our trust and our worth in futile things. But her her goal and what God is even probably trying to show her and trying to show a woman is that your identity, whether you're married or not, needs to be in Christ. And then what he does is he blesses us with gifts. But we can focus more on a gift than the giver. Uh, so that's so yeah, so that's a good word, Nate. Chanel. Yeah, I was gonna. That's, and that's what I was trying to show. In a, that I just think I think it shows. I, and that's my point. I think it shows the depravity of man. That that it gets to the point where Jacob is just a pawn now. He's nothing. Like they, like she was like, I'm just now. It's about I want to show you. I I have value. My worth comes in like I'm beating you. And which which I think speaks to Nate's point. Which I think speaks most importantly to the scriptures point. Is that when you uncover all the little layers of onions, it just shows how messed up we are, and all these things are just examples of our depravity. That you, we can find that how quickly she can shift from one idol to the next shows us our need for a savior. That's really good, Chanel. Any other good comments, guys? Yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And so I, I propose again that the text is wanting us to see that everyone's evil and God is good. That every, no, there's, no one, there's, no, there's no one in this text that's going, well, I did okay. Because God wants to show us that we're all in desperate need of, of being not just, oh, getting, more, getting better and right, but being recreated, newly created. Um, yeah, Caleb.
Yeah, I can't add anything. That's a, that's a good word. That's a good word. What, well, hopefully what, hopefully what even the discussion is bringing, I hope it's bringing like the God-centered component of it, is that the focus always needs to be the gospel. Uh, I, I love that you guys are, this is awesome. Wow. Good word, guys. Um, did, I, did I read this, this part, guys? So it says, God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore fifth, uh, Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my maid servant to my husband, which obviously now we see her acting just like Rachel, uh, who, who, had, who justified the same deal. Right? So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Uh, then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband would treat me with honor, which means, man, hopefully he would not just simply respect me. Because I have borne him six sons, so she names him Zebulun. Um, all right, sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her uh, Dinah. Now, the one thing about Dinah, I want to tell you guys, this shows you um, how serious it was when these guys are having these babies and these are all males. Because even if you notice here, they, uh, they, many times when you see a female mentioned, especially in uh, the Old Testament, they don't describe like, what it means because it was the whole focus was like, man, I really want to have a son. Uh, during this time, uh, which shows you even the more, the more pain that these ladies had to wrestle with when they saw not only individuals bearing, but they were bearing sons. Uh, that was, they, so there was a lot that they had to give over to God um, during that whole stage. It says, then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. Finally, he opens her womb. He's gracious. Uh, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. What is what is what is and what does Joseph do, guys? He basically save he he basically saves uh, Israel because they would all have died in a famine if God hadn't used uh, Joseph. Uh, so uh, so we got we're talking about some some heavy hitters. Uh, let me continue on, guys. So synopsis of this narrative. So you read the narrative, you're in Genesis, and you're reading this narrative. What's what's going on here? Let's talk about a few things. We realize Jacob hates Leah. Um, he, it's, it's interesting, he doesn't pay two of his wives any attention, okay? In the text here, you just see the maid, the, um, the maid servants is simply being uh, just a, basically a farm for him. You don't hear, you, there's not much discussion at all about the maid servants. Um, basically, you do have some discussion about the two wives. Um, and Jacob is pimped by the wife he loves, okay? So this is probably the synopsis of, of the narrative, right? So he hates Leah, um, he's running around, affection for his wife, but he's wimp. He's not stepping up and leading at all. Uh, we see these two ladies not getting any attention. The very lady he loves says, hey, I was hungry, got some fruit. You need to sleep with this girl. So just uh, a crazy mess. What comes from this narrative? This is synopsis. This is what we're seeing from this, from this narrative. What comes from this narrative that we're reading? The nation of Israel comes from this narrative. Now, don't miss this. So from that narrative, the narrative that we just read, where individuals are being sold for fruit, where people, men, are not stepping up. They're sleeping with anyone and everyone. Uh, where the guy has four wives. You have, out of the four, four wives, basically the nation of Israel. This is where the tribes come from. From this relationship, from these broken, messed up, uh, competition-driven, uh, I mean, just crazy relationships, right? You also have 
uh, this is a precursor to the 12 disciples. I propose to you the reason why there's 12 disciples is because Jesus was trying to retell the redemptive story of Israel, which he redeems and saying, hey, I'm in, I'm in essence providing you with a new tribe. This is my new crew who will usher in the kingdom. Okay, so you have now the precursor to the 12, to the 12 disciples because the 12 tribes of Israel are the 12 tribes. Jesus comes and says, let me help you understand. I'm, provide, I'm bringing a new people of God, and it's starting with these guys, as it were, as, a, as the Israel started with these guys. So you have the nation of Israel comes. You have the precursor to the 12 disciples coming from this, this story here, the one that we're looking at right now. And then we have Jesus. We have Jesus himself, who uh, Judah's mom is Leah. I love that. So, so Jesus, Judah, he's our, he's our prophet, priest, and king. He is our king. He, we talk about him being exalted. That's the main theological component when we talk about Jesus being Lord, uh, that him being high and lifted up. Well, guess what? The mom of, of the line of the king is Leah. Is Leah. Man. When I read this passage, guys, I'm telling you, many times I cry because I'm blown away at how gracious God is in the midst of how evil I am. Unbelievable. That God says, you know what? Look at how crazy you guys are. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to allow redemptive history to flow through you. I'm going to save the world through you. That's what he does. So guess what? Guys, who in this group can say, I see why he saved, why he did it for me. I see why, who, who in this group can say, I see why he used me. Look what I bring to the table. Leah, Rachel, Jacob. Jacob, for heaven's sake, becomes Israel. Names gets changed. No one, no one could say anything about any of their righteousness. They're great examples. Whenever you read the scriptures, don't do it again, guys. We can look and the whole focus be, what can I learn from this person's character? And the whole focus, what can I learn from this person's character? Very flawed way to read the Old Testament. That's never the focus. The focus always primarily is where is God? What is this teaching me about God's character? What is this teaching me about who God is? Primarily, if you read David and all you get is how to be faithful to some men and how to be a nice king, and you read Ezra and how to pray a lot, you've missed the whole point of the scriptures. They're all great examples, but guess what they're great examples of? Of God's grace. That's what the Bible's trying to tell you and me. That these people are all great examples of how good and gracious the Lord is. Look how gracious the Lord is. Look what he's done through messed up people all throughout history. Over and over and over again, we sit here and we read another scripture text, and you think, man, it sounds just like last week. What is God trying to tell you and me? I'm gracious you're in need. That's the beauty of the gospel. Think about it. Revelation 7. We also see this in, Reve- in the end of Revelation as well. Look what he says. Look what he does here, guys. He says, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. We just did a little snapshot of Revelation I proposed to you here. He's not just talking about 12,000 people from each each nation and then everybody else got to go home. His point here, he uses this number to talk about the people of God as a whole. And he's not just talking about Israel, but he's talking about the people of God. And he's talking about us from the perspective that we are now all spiritual Israel. 
And what does he do? What is, where does he connect our lineage? Look at this. So he says, I'm going to talk about like new creation, what God is doing with the saints and the other people, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to use these people's names as markers of your identity in Christ. Look what he says. Who gets the seal? The people of God. The full people of God. Who are the full people of God? Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Tribe of Reuben, 12,000. Tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. What is this point? Is that I want you to see, he said, look what I've done. Let me remind you. I took messed up people. I took a messed up lineage. I took a messed up story. And basically, I'm using, I'm reminding you, I took that story. And those people ushered in the people of God. He is trying to get something in our, to our heads and to our hearts, family. And that is for us to understand, to really, really understand God's grace. You can find more of those kind of passages in the end of Revelation as well, guys. Sorry, guys. Application. When you're looking at text there, let's ask yourselves, who do you most identify with? Who do you most identify with? When you think of, of receiving and being able to see God's grace, are you in those stories that we've talked about, specifically the one? I want you to think about that. It'd be cool even in your Matt group to talk about who you think, man, this is who I identify with in the flesh. And guys, we, just cultivating a heart of repentance um, in our body is just huge. That we would be saying, Lord, um, where am I life? Where am I just, I'm making a mockery of your grace. Where am I just choosing fake lives? This fakeness and, and repenting, being, being aware of your sin, understanding like what's going on in your journey, recognizing your sin, having people in your life, your one-on-one relationships in your mat groups, and, being, and giving people permission to say, would you, would you be an um, individual, an agent of sanctification in my life? I want to be willing to hear from you and tell me what, like, where you see areas where I'm dishonoring the Lord. And let's be people who are consciously and, 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 and consistently with great, great courage repenting of our, of our stuff and trusting our Savior. And then receive grace. Like, man, like, in our, being people who, who understand that God is, he, he, he's given us just unmerited favor. Just, he's, he puts us in a place of grace. You know, we talk about this a lot in Romans 5, that he doesn't throw us this grace nuggets. But he says, and he says he puts us in a place of grace in which we now stand. Romans 5.1, that we are in an environment of grace. God says, I want you to understand, it's not your evil. Like, you, you, you don't do anything. You're messed up. I save you. If we would just get that and continue to say, Lord, how do we live a life consistent with that reality? Just asking the Lord, Lord, would you allow me when I'm, when I'm in sin, when I do say something that's crazy, that I can quickly confess, and I don't take it on as my identity, but I trust my Savior. I'm able to say, man, I'm free. How freeing it is to receive grace. And, and I want to encourage us finally being a dispenser of grace. And you guys know I'm convinced that this is one of the hardest things to do as believers. I think we, we love receiving grace, but we do not like to give grace to each other. 
being willing to allow people to be on their journey, in their rhythm, and have it be grace that's perfecting, that is moving toward the Lord, but man, giving people an opportunity to be in process. Because look at our stories. Those are our stories. To bring great humility. Let's worship the Lord as we think of his gracious hand. Let's sing some songs. Um, I want to pray for us. And just, man, I want us to enjoy uh, the reality. And, and, I, and I want us to think of one thing, too. As we think of the application and we think of receiving God's grace, think about what we just said in the text. When you have individual, um, like Jacob and Leah and Rachel, guys, think, of in our, think about our lives and say, what in our life are we making the goal Okay, what are we making the goal that's outside of Christ? What's becoming like, man, this would be really good if I get this thing where Christ is saying, don't you get it the whole time? I want it to point toward me. Here we're going to do a few things, guys. We're going to uh, we're going to take tithe and offering.